Hey, what's going on guys? This is Hollywood Cole, just giving you guys a heads up. If you have not seen the movie Ready Player One nor read the book, turn the podcast off right now because this contains some major, major spoilers. Otherwise, enjoy. everybody to another HK video game experience we're glad you could join us this is Hollywood Cole your host along with uh, Clearfire also guess my name there huh <laughs> now I like to drag it out make it real dramatic man <laughs> it makes it so clear fire I'm trying to pronounce the Y in the fire part correctly <laughs> it's easy uh, it's just fire it's just like fire I see okay <laughs> um so anyway, so yeah, welcome back, guys, and uh, we are going to do a little bit of discussion about Ready Player One, the movie, and uh, I've read the book. Um, you, have you read? You hadn't read the book, have you? I haven't read the book yet. I think I'm going to get it on tape and listen to it while I'm driving back and forth. So The book is really good. Uh, I recommend the book. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little bit of comparisons. Uh, I read the book maybe, a, I don't know, two months ago or so, and so I'll try to remember as much as I can. And I uh, saw the movie a weekend ago with my wife, and uh, she didn't read the book. She started reading the book. She's got some opinions about it and about the movie as well. So, And I did a quick little, um, what was it, smooth ramblings, like maybe 30 seconds about it. And even after I did that, I was like, oh, I wish I would have got into it a little bit more. But this is a perfect chance to get two perspectives on it, and uh, this should be a pretty good one. So um, before we jump into that, man, do you got anything for the news? Man, I, this time, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to leave news out this time because I'm really excited about talking about Ready, uh, Ready Player One. And as far as news goes, we've been a little quiet on our page lately. I've been out of town, and I actually got, while I was out of town, got to go see Ready Player One. So I got lucky and was able to break from my conference long enough to go see it. But other than that, I've been so swamped that I haven't been really nosing the news or anything like that. Um, got a war drop today, so that's really... Got it. You know, Ready. and then and then um, Far Cry Five. Every everybody's everybody loves that game, and I think I might start playing that one as well because it looks pretty clean and pretty sick. It looks like it looks like some fun times. But I want to jump in this. I want to jump talking about this game, about this movie, and everything. I mean, because this movie was sick. It was awesome. Well, before so, that, I got I got some news. Actually, I got good and bad news. Uh oh, you're not gonna believe the good news though. Throw the bad news first. Let's have the bad. Well, first. you got to have the good first because that's how Aww. the thing goes. <laughs> so, uh, Konami has actually already announced a brand new, uh, finally, another 2D Castlevania. Did you know that? That is awesome. I yes. did not know that. I, I knew like, so it I've looks, been out of the loop. So. The graphics look awesome, and it's finally another 2D, man. It's just amazing. You know, the That's bad great. news, the bad news, iOS on your oh. cell phone. Are you kidding me? Konami, <laughs> what are you doing? A cell phone Castlevania. Oh my gosh! Release Especially it on, on it. Uh, and I don't know. And on iOS, that's even worse. Yeah, you could have this I'm out sorry. 
on Switch, <sighs> indie, you know, whatever, on these little $15 download. People would pay $20 or $30 for a 2D you could so You could so drop it on so many different things. I mean... Hopefully they. Oh, I, I don't know if gosh. they will release it like that. Anyway, it was just, uh, yeah, it's terrible. So that's, burn, go burn Konami down. Yeah, we can really get into that. They don't seem to. Eh, I won't even get into how they handle their Castlevania uh, franchises or any other franchise for that matter. That's depressing. So anyway, I thought that was funny. So that's why you had to have the good news first. Uh, that is funny. Yeah, <laughs> so, it wouldn't have made any sense if you gave the bad news first. <laughs> yeah, cell phone game. What? Oh, the new Castlevania. Uh, uh, All right, man. So, uh, uh, I guess that's about it, man. I don't think I got anything else. I know you wanted to get this one down. You sound like you got a lot to say about it, so go ahead and you can start, man. Let's get this thing. I, I got a lot to say. So, I'm going to start with a fresh perspective from this movie from someone that's not read the book that didn't really know anything about this, didn't even pay attention to any of the hype of it or anything like this. I really didn't put anything invested into this movie until Hollywood calls me up and says, hey, are you going to go see this movie? I'm like, man, I really just hadn't paid too much attention about it. I, you know, I didn't really watch any of the trailers or anything. A couple of my friends talked about it, and I was just like, eh. Boy, I was so mistaken by taking that taking that role in there. Watched this movie and walked out going, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I had it's It was the biggest nostalgia ride for me. It was so amazing. Like The story was put together very well from my perspective. Um, very, very, very detailed in a lot of things. I really liked the guy that played the lead character, Percival. I don't remember the actor's name, but man, he did a fantastic job of bringing that character to life. It just, I, I felt very involved in the movie. I felt like it, it, it felt, felt like it captured me and pulled me in the entire time. I related to so many things in it. It, it was just one of those movies that, comes across comes once maybe twice in a lifetime that you actually get sucked into the movie and you feel like you're a part of the movie or you could easily be a part of the movie it was just so much fun for me um one of the things that i really loved was the interactions between percival and god artemis they, they had a great connection there they had a lot of chemistry on screen and it was just really funny to see percival all of a sudden out of nowhere go head over heels for this person he's never met, you know? And so hold on. So we're going to, so if you're just listening, you didn't read the description, this, there will be spoilers in this, uh, lots of spoilers in, in this. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, turn it off. But, uh, if you've seen it, you'll, you'll, you'll really kind of, we're going to dig, we're yeah. going to neck dive deep into it. Oh yeah. But I mean, it was just, it's just awesome because it was that. And there's so many, there's so many, so, there's so much symbolism in the movie. There's so many relics of symbols in the movies. There's so much stuff that alludes to the 90s, to the 80s, to, you know, it, it's just so funny to listen to them talk about the culture and everything. I mean, most of the music was 80s music. There's a lot of symbols from the 90s that are in there. It just was so much fun. So I just yeah. want to leave that whole introduction right there at it. You know, that's my little introduction for the for how I feel about the movie. I mean, it was just really awesome. I've got to see it several more times to catch things <laughs> I didn't that I didn't. I know I saw a lot there because the entire time I'm watching and try to mentally take notes because I wanted to enjoy the movie, but I also wanted to suck in enough so I could bring something really valuable to the podcast on this one because it just was. I'm just constantly, constantly the entire time I'm watching it, trying to catch every little detail, and there's just so much, and they, they were just, they, they, they pinpointed so many things and did so well 
on grabbing those little things here and there. So, so let me tell you a shocker right here. The book is the movie was awesome in the book, but the book is better. I know people say that all the time. I don't mean to sound pretentious or whatever when I say that, but the reason I say that is because it really gets into video game aspect of it. I mean, while they're in the video game world and they're talking about experience that he gets and the money and the life and the, you know all the kind of stuff that you mm-hmm. kind of deal with. So you really kind of get dragged into it with the book um, as well. But I did really enjoy the movie. Um, the uh, I, I thought it was really well done. Like you said, the production value is obviously top-notch, Spielberg. And um, it, uh, it really emphasized... They did a really good job, like you said, with Artemis... And Percival, the main character, Artemis, is the love interest of the movie. And how they designed those avatars was really cool. I mean, I couldn't have thought of a better Percival avatar uh, drawn out like that with a Thundercat belt buckle and all that. And it's sick, man. That was awesome. And one of the things that they... uh, that they did do for the movie that I wish I would have mentioned on Smooth Ramblings a little bit more was that they did add more 90s to it. Um, They do add 90s into the into the uh of course into the book but it is more 80s based in the book a little bit more they're more talking about ataris uh these old arcade games the defender and centipede and stuff like that they didn't get into any nintendo so i was like well he just doesn't have a license to mention it i mean i don't know how that stuff works uh but i kind of wish he would have gotten more into that because it seems like he's probably a little bit older than us i don't know how ernest klein the writer i don't know how old he is so I, after reading this well, book i would assume he's a little older than us well do you have the book sitting right there with you yep when was it written what was its copyright yeah, it was date? in 2011 that's when it was written i really really i didn't realize it was that or that that recent written i thought it was further back written no it's like 2011 so okay uh but yeah so that that but I was kind of waiting for him to get into that, but he does get into the Back to the Future DeLorean and all the 80s songs, and, you know, Anorak was a big uh, 80s guy. So uh, so let me just lay down the premise of it first, and then we'll start breaking it down a little bit. Um, So the premise is, uh, there's this, uh, like, it's like a dystopia. It's real, you know, the world is poor, you know, the corporations have kind of taken over, uh, and it's taken over by uh, IOI innovative online instant interactive or something like that ioi um but anyway that they're just a, they're kind of a side player uh but this i'm talking about the real world in this uh introduction so it's like 2045 and so mm-hmm. what everybody's kind of learned to do is this guy named um uh, holiday he invented a an oak something they called oasis and it is a uh, simulator, just like a second life, or if you will, except for obviously in 2045, we got way better technology and um, they can put on, uh, you know, the goggles, the handset, they actually get these, you know, your, the suits cost money. If you want to get a real expensive suit, uh, you can feel the touch of anybody into the um, Oasis. You can feel a bullet hit you, whatever the case, um, when you go in there. But people have gotten so you know people would it's free to, it's free to play too uh so it is a free to play uh microtransaction model <laughs> so we automatically yeah. don't like but it, it didn't really get into it as much as it does in the book if you want to travel to world to world it costs money and in the book they uh i think it's the i'm kind of remembering this off the top of my head so if i get the year wrong if i get this the, the planets wrong just please forgive me but there's a planet called lupus or something like that maybe ludus where they all the kids go to school at ludus and that's how H and uh, and um, Percival meet 
And so, but Percival can't leave Ludus because he had any money. He's poor in real life, so he can't buy all this. But H is rich somehow, and, and is uh, is uh, you know traveling all over and fighting in all these different worlds. And, and there's uh, different zones you can go to, so you spend all your time getting experience levels. Great, just like an MM, uh, MMO, and uh, and you can get levels and gear and items and money to spend uh, in the game and be whoever you want to be. Obviously, just like you created a character. And, um, but if you die, you lose it all. Okay. You get, uh, what do they call it in the movie when you die? You get zeroed out. Yeah. You get zeroed out. And so you get zeroed out and it didn't really get into it in the movie, but in the book, there's obviously some PVP zones and there's some non PVP zones. And I thought the dance at the big, uh, I won't not, not, not jump ahead, but I thought that the dance where they're dancing there was uh, a non PVP zone, but I can't remember exactly. I thought I do remember getting attacked though, so I don't know how it's, that worked. It seems like it's a non PvP zone just from the way that it's portrayed in the movie. It seems like it's a place just to go hang out, kinda like a social space. Yep. And that's just kinda how I inferred it was more like a social space that you just go to hang out to meet people and from there, so Alright. So um so I'll give you my wife's quick impressions. She liked it and she's not a video gamer. She read the book and she said, I don't like the book, it's too video gamey. And I said, All right. Uh, she only got to a chapter. I got her. I got her right here where it's marked. So I think she got to chapter four. And yeah. she's like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm good. Yep, four. I mean, to that aspect, just for all your listeners out there, really, the movie isn't like heavy. I, I didn't feel like it was heavy video game. It was more immersive because right. no, you're watching it. Yeah, she and, liked and, the movie. And so the, it, it, that was a, that's a neat contrast there, our comparison that she has. You know, didn't like the book because it's too video gamey, but yet you watch the movie and it's nothing but video game. So... Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. It's a whole different the, thing. The book you're will really get into every little detail about the games. That's what I'm talking about. See, if you don't play games, you're not really going to be as immersed into it immediately. If you do play games, it really immerses you into the book. I mean, it, Mitch, our coach RX said that you know he said he read the book in like uh, two days or something, and I could see why because he really will like. Oh my gosh, you got to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. And the, and the movie is is different. We'll talk about those differences as we go along. So. What you so, uh, what you know? Just kind of, what did you think about the movie? What kind of part stuck out at you at the beginning? So something that I want to bring up is, uh, I really think this is cool. It's just some symbolism they had in there. Do you, and I want to ask you this question to see if you know it before I go off. And I and okay. I'm glad that I haven't even brought this up to you yet. Yep. Do you know what the because because IOI was a you know is the big bad corporation or whatever and whenever they sent people in to do their things like like uh, Hollywood was referencing earlier saying that uh, the dance place was a non-PVP area but they get attacked they get attacked by IOI all the soldiers from IOI have these big helmets on that have the big IOI symbol on it do you Hollywood know what the IOI symbol is the IOI symbol um, yes is it something from a chat room? Nope. Uh, I don't know then. If you look on the back of your computer, the IOI port on the back of your computer is oh, your input monitor. Is your monitor port? Okay. So IOI is always monitoring you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So there was some symbolism there because it's like you see this huge thing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen that symbol. Where have I seen it from? That was the first thing I thought when I saw them. I'm like, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> and I sit there, it took me a minute, and I'm like, oh, that's a serial port. Wait, no, serial port is I O I O I. So this one was I O I, and I'm like, 
oh wait, that's the monitor port. And if you go look it up now, it looks exactly like the Come same on. thing because it's because it's the it's the I, the big square O, and then the other I. That's the yeah. monitor port symbol. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so there's just that symbolism there, and it's just like because you know IOI was always watching, always watching yeah. what's going on, always involved, always watching you monitor, monitor port computer. That's good, man. So yeah, let me let me explain who IOI is. I didn't even finish the actual explanation of the. I just told you about the world and the environment. So uh, Halliday, after he invented this uh, great utopia, second life oasis, he hid. He he died. Okay, and so when he died. He had created it uh, also with uh, another partner, kind of like the uh, Steve Wozniak of the movie, and, Ogden uh, or Og. Yeah, Og. And so, and so, Og is the more socially inept one, and um, and uh, Holiday is like can't, can't also, get along. Also, honestly, felt like so. I honestly felt like Holiday was more socially inept than Og was. I felt like Og was more trying to be out there and everything, and Holiday was more like. You know, he's kind of he kind of seemed to me he sound he seemed like he was autistic. He used video games as a way to connect to people. Yeah, uh, inept. What's that mean? That means not good at social. Yeah, yeah, inept. Yeah, yeah, I figured after I said it, I said I think I messed that up. So Og, yeah, it's definitely more social. Yeah, the other one is not. Uh, Holiday is not good at people he used the video games to kind of cope. Uh, so, uh, so when he when Ho- Holiday died, he sent a video and he had an in he had his own avatar called uh, Amarak, and it's a wizard. And so uh, once he died, everybody's you know all upset. You know what's going to happen with Oasis? Well, he sent out a um, a message to everybody in Oasis that says, "Hey, I I've hidden three keys, like Easter eggs, like Easter eggs mm-hmm. in a game that you find throughout this entire universe, which is one big game. And he who finds it, you know, will get gain control of the Oasis. And uh, and so in the book." Years go by without anybody finding a key, and everybody starts to believe it's just uh, it's not real. And you had a few of those Gunthers or whatever that were mm-hmm. uh, were, were hunting it down, and Percival being one, of course, H being one. Um, but everybody's kind of called thought they were dreamers because nobody cared about it until Percival finds the first one. That's kind of the very beginning of the chapter of the book, not how he finds it, just the background, and then or the introduction of the book, and then he somebody finally found one, and so now. And when he finds the key, he gets all the gold and stuff. Now he's able to travel and the adventure begins. But it's a riddle. None of the riddles in the movie were the same as in the book. Um, so uh. they're, they're, they're different riddles. And I'll even tell you how they found the first key in the book is not the same as, uh, in fact, none of the none of the keys are the same. Except oh, wow. The, that's that's yeah. impressive that it's like completely that, that different. It's way different. And even how Artemis is introduced and everything is way better in the book. But... Um, but um, so yeah, so that's all it is. And you find the you find the uh, the golden egg. That's what you unlock with the three keys, and then you get complete control of Oasis, and and, and you all get all of Holiday's share, which is majority share, whatever you control it. And so, IOI is a huge corporation that has just hired a bunch of people and they have all the money, all the technology to where they're trying to get the key so they can charge. They, they don't believe it should be free. They believe we can make, you know, if we just charged everybody whatever a month to play and whatever that can be rule the world. So they got all the money and they're, they are trying to, uh, they call them the sixers in the book and they call them six because each one has a six digit, uh, digital identifier. Uh, so they don't have, once you sign up for IOI, you don't get a, your avatar is a number now. So something that was interesting in the movie on that end is, is 
Of course, they're all sixers. They all have six-digit numbers, but all their numbers begun with the number six. If okay, you watch them yeah. in the movie, every number that every number that I saw, now I might be wrong, but every number that I remember seeing started with a six. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of it was kind of a three way symbolism there where there were sixers, three uh you know six numbers and started with number six. Now I could be wrong. I could have missed something, but all the ones I saw, all the ones that I remember seeing had had started with a six. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the book it's just a six digit serial number. Um, but I mean, you know, I could be wrong too. Like I said, it's been a few months since I read the book, and I know I'm going to get some stuff wrong here. But uh, but this is just to give you guys an idea and just kind of get your, your thoughts of it. And so, um, or whatever stuck with us. And so, the first Easter egg, or the first key, on uh, in the in the movie, uh, there's a big race. There is no race in the book. There's no such race um, in the book at all. And he don't I get really, his DeLorean until later. I really thought the race was awesome. I thought that was yeah, a that really was, just that was pretty really sick. sick you knew you I were mean, in just, for a ride. It's at the very beginning of the movie, pretty much. Oh my gosh, it was just so awesome. Yeah, I want to see it again now. Um, I, I do too. I've got, I've got to see it again. I to saw catch it in IMAX I 3D. It was sick, man. The oh and everything. no, I hate, I hate you now. Uh, <laughs> so, I try, I tried to go to an IMAX and it was just too far away. I'd had to pay like 70, 80 bucks to get a ride to an IMAX from where geez, I was at in St. Yeah. Louis. So I was like, I'm not. It's not worth going to an IMAX for that. And that was just <laughs> yeah. one way for that ride. I was like, no, I'm not spending that yeah. much to go to an IMAX. So there is a. Um, it mentions it. It's not. They don't spend a whole lot of time there. I don't remember. I don't recall in the book if they do. Uh, because they're super smart, and they kind of hint at that. They're super wicked smart. They've been studying 80s, watching all the old 80s movies, studying Halliday. They're already super smart about it at the beginning. But they do have the Halliday library that you can go to and kind of research all this stuff. But I think it's it's also like online, like when you can you can pull up on your visor mm-hmm. and scroll through it. That's um, pretty neat. And so, um, so the the riddle, I, and I don't remember the riddle. In fact, I could probably read you the riddle. Um, if I get it, if I get to it, but um, anyway, I won't, I won't, I won't go digging through here. Yeah, because I'm not going to be able to find. I'm not going to find it. I'm not going to go through and look for yeah. every single one of them. Um, so I'm not going to. Well, in the, it. It well, in the movie, there's actually yeah, in the movie, there's actually only two riddles because they yes. just say somebody. There's supposed to be three riddles, but there. But I don't remember ever hearing or seeing the first riddle about getting to the. Uh, the race stage because the movie is like someday this you know one day this portal was here after this guy figured something out and this is how you get to the race and it never I don't remember ever hearing about that riddle but I remember hearing the next two riddles so yeah that was something that was kind of different yeah like go back in time if we could go back in time or whatever so at the beginning of the race you have to reverse your car to finish the race otherwise nobody ever finishes it um the very first, this is pretty sick how they find the first key in the movie. So the very first, uh, and I'm, I'm, I hate that I'm not going to remember all the little details, which is probably pretty good. So you can go back and read it without yeah. me messing it up too bad. But it's on lupus. It's because it has something to do in the riddle about learning and blah, blah, blah. So he goes, wait a minute. This is the only place. And they find a, so why, between classes or whatever, uh, Percival's just, teleporting or on earth or running around on earth or on not on earth on uh lupus that that uh around the planet there to try to find this one cave somewhere that you have to get to and do something and then when it opens up it's a huge dungeon based on a game 
and you have to know that game. So they're recalling all this stuff about this. He is, and he's by himself. He's recalling all this stuff about this game that, wait, this is, I'm just making this game up, and again, I'm sorry, I don't know, it's like this is some kind of dungeon crawler. He's like, oh, I remember, you can't go in here, the food will be here, there's a secret entrance here, and you're remembering all this stuff as he's walking through it to try to get to the end. And he, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I found this hidden thing on this planet, this has to be where the key is. And then when you pull up to the the, the, the death lynch, where that big boss is. And he's like, I have no armor or nothing. I'm completely poor. I think he was like level 10, you know, somehow just by killing slimes or whatever on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so he's like, death Always lynch is going to just slimes. <laughs> yeah. He said, death lynch is going to destroy me, you know, and he walks in and there's, you know, this big throne room and death lynch is just up there and it's quiet with his eyes closed. And then he opens his eyes up and just looks at him. He's just like, uh, you know, what am I going to do? And then it starts talking to him or whatever. And then it challenges him to a game of Centipede. <laughs> and that's how you get the first key. Oh, my key. gosh. That's awesome. And uh, you got to beat him at Centipede. And um, and so if you win, you know, or you lose, something happens if you win, if you lose. And it's a weird thing how, uh, I can't remember. It's No, it's uh, Joust. The game Joust. And like, Ah. It even breaks down the game of Joust in the book about there was like some kind of a programming error to where the second player could jump a little bit higher or something or a little bit longer. There was one little thing different. So you had to trick this Lynch King into jumping on the one player and you get to play two player and that's how you could beat him. Something like that. Uh, yeah. So it just all I'm saying is it breaks it down really, really good. But um, real quick about Artemis, uh, he hasn't met Artemis at this point. And Artemis is a big blogger, uh, Gunter, that's a big blogger and posting pictures and all of her experiences and all this. And so he's kind of has this uh, infatuation with her just by reading her stuff and all this. And then, of course, she somehow wanders in later. And that's how she, uh, that's how they meet because she was tracking the same type of thing he was. I gotta look up the third key now before you're cool. Well, well, um, what I'll do is I'll start explaining it from the movie perspective because the yep. movie perspective, the movie challenge was completely different than that. The first challenge, of course, like Hollywood already said, was a was a, basically a death race. Is kind of what it was because you had to get to the end. There were so many cool parts in the in this race. You know, first, you know, when Percival gets up there, he his car is the DeLorean. So that right there, you're just like, oh my gosh, his his the license plate on it said Percival on the back of it. Really cool, really awesome thing. Well, he starts out in the back of the race because what he's doing is is he's out of money, so he's trying to collect coins so he can have money to fill up his gas tank so he can you know continue through the race. Um, the the really cool thing is is you see H. H is this big honking guy, really cool looking thing. He's got some mechanical stuff to him, really awesome looking, and he's driving Bigfoot. So you know he's about to be awesome throughout this race. So he's sitting there and he's sitting in the DeLorean in the back waiting to rev up and everything. He, you know, and he's like, "All right, yeah, this is going to be great and everything." And all of a sudden, it's time to go. He takes off. They go through the race. They're racing, and you see him doing these little slides behind cars that are getting destroyed by all this different stuff that's going on, grabbing the coins that are falling out from them. So basically, throughout the movie, every time somebody dies or loses an arm or whatever, they just start, coins start falling out of them. So basically it's their money or their weapons, whatever they've earned, is just falling out of them. It's kind of like in Fortnite, when you shoot somebody, kill them, all their stuff falls out. 
And so you can go pick it up and everything. So that's kind of what Percival's doing right now so he can have money to be able to race more because basically he's a gunter trying to find the egg doing all these races. So he's doing this race and everything and going through it and all of a sudden he sees a person on a bike. And it's like, oh my gosh, that is um, Artemis right there. Did you see that? That's Artemis is what he's saying to uh, to H through their little talk communi- uh, uh, com-, com system. And just talking about it, really awesome. H is riding the Akira motorcycle from <laughs> the, the comic book movies, yeah, all that. Awesome. And it's awesome. Look, It's awesome. It looks awesome. It, it's, it's just great. Well, they're riding. All of a sudden, they get to King Kong jumps out and starts chasing them. So it's really awesome. And they're chasing them and all that. And uh, H has already had a wreck to where he can't go any further. His his big foot's broken down. And it's pretty much all you see is Percival right now. Just hauling tail into DeLorean. And all of a sudden, Kong jumps, crashes through these tracks. And there's this hole there. And Percival knows that he can't make that jump. It's just not going to. He, 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 he slides the car, basically almost trashes the car. He knows he can't make the jump. So all of a sudden, he sees Artemis just zooming by, and he's like, oh, wait, she's not going to make that jump. Um, Kong's going to hit her and zero her out. And he didn't want her to zero because, you know, he, he's infatuated with her. It's At this time, you really don't know much about Artemis in the movie. You just know it's this bad biker chick. Because you don't see her face at this time, nothing. You just see her in a motorcycle helmet. You can see her mouth because it's uh, it's not a full face helmet and on the Akira motorcycle. So that's all you know. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Percival jumps and knocks uh, Artemis off her bike. Her bike goes careening. It nails Kong. Kong trashes it. And this is all right in front of the finish line. You can see the finish line over Kong's shoulder. It kind of looks like the gateway into like... Uh, cemetery or something. Either cemetery or what I was thinking of is Central Park. If you look yeah. at New York City Central Park, it kind of has that look to it because it's got the whole park behind it, really nice looking and everything like that. So it kind of feels like it's modeled after uh, Central Park there in New York City. So after that, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, she's all mad and everything because she thought she was going to finish. But he's like, look at your bike and look what Kong just did. And so that's kind of where the first, that whole introduction of all of them happened. And that, that's what happens at that point. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I loved that because I, I just tried to hang, hang on to as much of that as I could because I just thought it was so awesome. That race was really good, man. All the different things jumping out, just like nostalgia overload. It really was. And that's like in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Like you, yeah. your mind is blown right then and there. It's just crazy. Yeah. In the movie, it takes place, you know, the whole contest is a few days, but in the book, it's a long, long time, a lot longer. Well, Um, I feel like, I don't feel like it was a few days. I feel like it was longer than that, but I don't think it was more than like years. It was years in the book. Yeah, I I feel like it was, this was over a span of about a year in the movie versus, you know, a few days, you know, versus, you know, versus years in the book. Yeah. So after in the book, once he gets the first key, his score jumps up to whatever, 100,000, just like yeah. it does. And all of a sudden, he gets all this gold and all this riches. And, and, and in the book, he's, you know, you could tell, it hints at it when he goes on the shopping spree in the movie. But in the book, it really fleshes out how he's made a bunch of money. Yeah. He can do all this cool stuff. He buys all this cool stuff, can travel all over. Um, and H. The only person he knows in the well, there's two people he knows. You will never guess the second one he knows. He's in the movie too. 
Uh, I'll, I'll let you have a guess at it, which is because it's going to be funny. But the, he knows uh, two people. One's H right away. Mm-hmm. And H is, like I said, real rich and traveling around doing all the cool stuff. But Percival never borrows money from him or never does anything. But you know the other person he knows is? I have so, no so, clue. So H has a hangout that only it's a private room that only he goes to and he can invite. Who, you know, it's a private room. It's a private chat room. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like his workshop in the movie. Yeah, and he has to invite his... Well, and the, it's not a workshop in the book. It's, it's It really spells it out to where it's just like a game room. Um, but the way it's played the way it's played yeah, the, the, way it's movie, played the, the movie, movie is like... It, 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 that that could be the same thing. Yeah. So the other person he knows is I-Rock. <laughs> you know no who I, way! I Rock, yeah, I-Rock is a whole different character. I-Rock has to be like his... Like that, that dude that's sleeping with his aunt or whatever. No, Iraq is a. Um, you, you don't ever meet. You don't ever know who Iraq is in real life and the in the book, but Iraq's just okay. this guy that uh, hangs out with them sometimes. He's kind of gets on their nerves a little bit. He's kind of a, you know, you know. Wow, just, yeah, just kind of gonna... gets on their nerves. Just kind of like pushes all their buttons all the time. Like, well, I can do that too, and blah blah, blah you know that kind of crap. And then once they find the first egg, he goes on this whole big uh, spree. Iraq. Like posting on because you don't want to tell you who your whole, real identity is and you don't know, know who Percival is or, or you know anything about him. And he goes on these forums and claims, you know, I know where he, who they are and I know where they got, you know, just trying to get Gosh. famous. And uh, and so they're worried about him a little bit there. But wow, yeah, it's that's a totally completely different, different movie. Yes, yeah, completely different <laughs> yeah. movie. So yeah. before we get too far, I do want to explain a little bit about the movie because we haven't really explained about the um, first key and how he gets the first key in the movie. So in the movie, you know, they've done this race a couple times. They, you, you see it and everything. You actually see it a few times. You know, see it happen. I think you had to see it happen, what, twice before yeah, they I think so. before twice. they solve it or something like that. And so he goes to the knowledge, the, 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 basically the library of Holiday, and goes in there and he's watching this clip that he's watched several times and just watching it, keeping and going, keeping going, just trying to figure out a clue from there because for whatever reason, that's where the clue is. They know that it's in... This one scene, Holiday recorded everything from his life. Basically, he was a very much, you know, kind of like a social media addict is what basically what he was. But he was just, you know, not very social with actual people. So, like, Percival is watching this. And I want to bring this up, too, real quick while I'm thinking about it. The butler, do you know what symbolism the butler is? It's in terms of what? Just a... Okay, the, the butler. Look at the butler. Remember what the butler looked like. Mm-hmm. And remember something from back in the late 90s, early 2000s on the internet. Let me see what the butler looks like again. Late 90s, early 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s is when, when this, this was happening where the symbolism will, will blend with the two. And it has to do with him being at the library as well. All right. I just had. I, recently I was looking at. I pulled up a pictures of a couple of things. I had the butler there. While you're doing that and think about this, I'm gonna finish up the part okay. I had with this. So, anyways, he's watching this clip of Holiday talking butler. to talking to Og, and all of a sudden he says something about maybe we could just go back in time and just say this backwards and starts doing like this. And all of a sudden, Percival's thinking, "What if we ran the race backwards?" And so they go to do the race again, and he's sitting there and. Um, H is there and uh, Artemis is there and the race starts. Everybody takes off and Percival's sitting in the DeLorean doesn't move an inch. All of a sudden he slams it in reverse, pushes the pedal to the metal and shoots through this back door in the back of the race. 
just and all of a sudden he's going under the race. You know how like in games you glitch under the boards and everything. You can see everything going on under you. He is basically glitched under the board, going through it and everything. He gets to the part where Kong jumps through the through, through the uh, track and he gets right through it. And all of a sudden, it opens this door up and he pops out and he's driving backwards and goes through the finish line backwards and then loops around the circle. All of a sudden, trumpets start playing. And Holiday's uh, character pops up and says, "You've won. Here's the first key, and here's your next clue." So that's pretty much how that goes. And then you see him get all the money right then and there. So now that you've had time to look at it, do you know the symbolism between the butler and some late '90s, early 2000s thing? <laughs> no, I don't. Ask Jeeves. What's like a? Uh, that's Ask what he is. Jeeves was a search engine. Yeah, I remember the search back engine. in the day, and their symbol was a butler. If you look at the butler, it looks very similar to the butler that's in there. And okay. two, with the fact that the butler is actually searching the knowledge for them and pulling it back to them, it's kind of like Ash Jeeves back in the day that would go out and pull the knowledge for you and say, "Here's the things." That's cool. Yeah, so this is the. So there's just awesome. tons of symbolism. There's a lot so of Easter there, eggs in there. Oh, just <laughs> in the tons of it, just all over the place. It's great. So that's how he gets the first key, and then Percival goes on a shopping spree. One of yeah. my favorite things he buys that I just love because of the symbolism to it, tied into a movie that's actually not '90s or '80s pop culture. It's actually '70s pop culture. Is the holy hand grenade? And do you, sir, know where the holy hand grenade <laughs> nope. comes from? Nope. Oh my gosh. You have homework now. You have to go watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That that that's interesting. Let me tell you why that's interesting. There is no holy hand grade in the, in the uh, movie either. I don't think. Pretty in sure. In the book. In the book. I mean. Uh, but you know where that reference is. You know the second contest. He uh, Wade. So they kind of get into a falling out. Artemis and Wade, of course, like in the movie. Um, they get distracted, and then he, she runs off for a long time, and uh, not just that. Little and Wade thing. is Wade is Percival's real name. Just yeah, Wade is Percival's. Yeah, Wade is Wade Watts is his real name. Percival is his. They call him Z in the game. Percival, uh, the knight that is looking for the Holy Grail or whatever. That's where he got it from. And so, um, the second contest, as he's finding, as he's trying to find the second contest, he's. You know, this again, like years have gone by, he hasn't talked to Artemis. Um, he's looking for the second key. And I, and I know that Artemis finds one first before Wade. And I can't remember if it's the second or the third one. Um, but anyway, at one of the planets that Wade's on, it's like an arcade pizza parlor's in there. And um, and I, I'm, I'm pulling off from memory. I can't remember exactly, but there's a, there's a Pac-Man machine there. And... Uh, he plays the Pac-Man machine and tries to get the high score. Well, he's done it so many times. Him and him and um, H always played Jalfs, always played all these old games against each other all the time. And that and that arcade room I was talking about, the secret room. And um, and he has to play Pac-Man and he tries to get the final score. You know, on Pac-Man, the arcade game, when you get to the final stage, the RAM or the memory's pretty much run out of the game, so half the stage is garble. And um, and so he it mentions that, and then he, once he finishes the he gets the Pac Man, the high score, and the high score was uh, that he had to beat was pretty much a perfect game. So he had to get a perfect game to beat the high score, and then he did, and then a coin falls down, blink, in his hand, 
he has no idea it's a quarter and he's like okay well that's what I get great and he puts it in his pocket and that's like in the middle of the book you don't even know what it's for you know it's something important wow. obviously I wouldn't have mentioned it and so and then uh, he goes about it that, somewhere right in there he, he's there because he's searching for the second key and it's led him there and wow. right in there he finds the second key he, he goes to the second contest you know what the second contest is in the book what mm, I have no clue to act out uh, a movie Mighty Python's Holy Grail. Oh my <laughs> that's gosh! Why. So, that's, so that's why. why the holy hand grenade is in <laughs> yep. there. Yep. Oh my gosh! So that, that's great. That's a great way to kind of so tie it together. You have to go through the whole movie as one of the characters, the main character, I suppose, and uh, you have oh, to, and, that's so and you hilarious. have to recite all the lines. If you get the line <laughs> wrong, you get zero points. If you get it right, you get points. If you add an accent and the correct inflection, you get more oh points. Oh my gosh! It's pretty funny. Next, the whole movie out. And then once you finish it and you do it correctly without losing all your lives or whatever, then you you get the second key. That's an easy challenge for me. I love Monty Python. I know that from my <laughs> so, heart. Yep. So, so, so something that's interesting there is that he got that 25-cent piece just from falling out of the sky from, from getting a perfect game on. Well, it came uh, out of the machine or whatever. Yeah, well, ba- well, basically, just fell out of it. Yeah, it can't, it can't materialize. I know where. What I love about it is in the movie is he actually gets the coin from the butler, and he gets it off a bet. He bet him all of his coins, all, all of the all of Percival, Percival bet the butler all of his winnings that they only mentioned. Uh, I can't even remember her name now. Yeah, it was it was Og's wife. Og and her. Ogden, yeah, Ogden Morrow's wife. It was his wife, and she was only mentioned one time. And Karen, all Karen, Karen was only mentioned one time in all of the records that um, Holiday had that he that he kept. He basically scrubbed her name except for one mention. And Percival bet the butler that it was only mentioned once, and of course he won because that's a very big hint to the second challenge. So the second challenge is is basically they have to go through the shining. Yeah. And it is hilarious. I mean, this is like so funny. That my favorite part is is so they're standing there and H is like, I've never seen the shining. Is it scary? I just lose I just die out laughing when he says this because it's just like, oh my gosh, he's the biggest idiot ever. H does not understand that the shining is like an original horror movie, you know? And so he starts walking off on his own. He sees the two little girls. He says, Oh, Hey, two, Hey, little girls, you want to play? You know, cause they roll the ball at him and everything. And that just, you know, that, you know, in the movie that starts off, like that's the beginning of the end right there. You don't follow the two <laughs> girls. You don't do it whatsoever, you know? And so he goes over, follows them to the elevator and you see, uh, you see Percival and Artemis come around the corner and go, no! And then all of a sudden the blood comes through, washes them away, and H ends up going into a room. He goes into room 237. You don't go into room 237. Just don't do it. Don't ever go into a room that's number 237. And so he goes in the room, and of course it's the classic room where the woman is in the tub and pulls the shower curtain back, and he's like, oh, hey, naked lady! He's just talking really nice to her and everything. And then all of a sudden he sees her in the mirror and it's, you know, she's the death woman. And all of a sudden he's losing his mind because he realizes, oh crap, The Shining is a horror movie. And so H is just freaking out at this point, just going mad, just doesn't know what to do. 
eventually they save him and everything. And there was this one thing that came up was um, they still could they had they had a time limit to try to figure this all out. They had like an hour to figure it out basically. And they were getting close to the end of the time, and they're like, we, we can't figure anything out. And by the way, they're also in this room with two other people. I can't remember. It was a samurai character yes. and a ninja Dido character. Dido and remember. Shido or something like that. Yeah, Dido and Shin or something like that. Yeah. Really cool guys, um, but they, they kind of play just a background character at this point. They're just kind of you know there. But, you know, nobody's really found any clues yet, but they're like, um, man, we haven't even found one thing about Karen. And all of a sudden, H goes, oh, there's a picture of Karen on the wall down here. And so they go find it, they see it, and it's of Karen and uh, Holiday about to go dancing. And so they're like, dancing, that's the key. And there's actually a dance room in the hotel. So they go in. And half the floor is gone, and it's basically zombies dancing. And they look out, and they see Karen. And they're like, how do we get there? And Artemis does some awesome jumping, goes out there, jumps across. Well, once she starts doing that, all of a sudden, everybody else gets thrown out of the hotel. You know, basically, they're locked out. They can't help her. She has to finish the mission on her own. So she's hopping around. She eventually gets over to Karen, and she's like, I've been waiting a long time for this, and a long time for you to ask me this. And so they start dancing together, and then all of a sudden, Holiday's character comes up, says, here's the next key. She gets the key, and then all of a sudden, everybody else gets the key as well. So really cool thing right there happened. I, I really you know, really thought that was awesome. They had a great play of The Shining. There was even a, a, even a scene when H was in the uh, 237 and the axe is chopping through the door. I mean, it's just, it's got it all there. It's just really hilarious. I felt bad for H because he just didn't know what he was getting into when he went in there. And he's like, hey, and he t- says it straight up. Uh, he's like, I don't like horror movies. And so he, he got to live one of the best horror movies ever. And it was just hilarious. You've got to watch that one and watch it with a very careful eye to catch up on all catch on all the stuff because there's just so much going in that one too. So uh, Dido and Show. Um, so how they're introduced in, in the book is that um, once you get the key, you popped up on the leaderboard. Percival, it's a hundred hundred thousand points, and then Artemis would get ninety thousand for getting second, and then whoever got it, uh, 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 H would get third. Some, like 80 or whatever and then mm-hmm. if you got fourth I think you got 70 until it got down to like 50,000 then if you finished it you got 50 to do it. so it always go you know so it always start off like Parsival and the, at least the first key Parsival uh, Artemis H and then it was Dido and Show and so that's how they, who are these two guys you know and then it was always IOI guys all the way down because they would eventually figure it out and so Dido and Show once they that's kind of that, that high five that they call it in the movie uh, so that they eventually start to team up, um, and uh, they, you know they they were on hey we're not gonna you know Dido and Show somehow get into the um, H's uh, hidden room or whatever and kind of introduce herself and this is what we're doing and they're like okay because they think IOI is gonna is gonna get the second key so hey we need to we need to combine forces here because otherwise and that we don't we don't clan up we don't guild up you know but the sad part in the book that is not mentioned in the um, in the uh, movie is Dido actually gets killed. He's in the oh, Oasis. Wow. Yeah. He's in the Oasis and IOI because they say, don't share your identity. Don't share your identity. And he's in Japan and uh, they break in and kill him while he's throw him over his, throw him out, out of his, out of his chair and throw him over the balcony. 
of his high oh, rise wow. and, and, and they think it's a suicide they make it like a suicide and so shows like real tore up over it or whatever and I think shows the one that shows up but he do, uh, Wade does get uh, tempted by IOI and that's how so Wade gets called up by IOI in the book about the same time as he does and tries to say hey come work for us we'll give you 80 million a year some kind of silly number like that and you know you'll get all the good stuff and you know you'll be a you know, you'll, we'll make you a, a hero in the world, but just get, we get the winnings. And um, and so that's when he starts to call out to Artemis again that he hadn't spoken to, to uh, H and all these people to say, hey, they're going to come for you too. So, And they knew where he was at that time. I don't remember how they found out, um, but they found out who it was and they did blow up the park or the, the trailer park in the movie, yeah. but he wasn't there just like that. Uh, he goes to that secret little van that he always goes to and gets in there. And um, that's his secret getaway spot. And so they didn't know about that, and they blew it up, and they killed everybody but him. So they think he's dead in the book for a while. Um, well, until he pops back up. Yeah, it didn't take no time in the movie. Like, they think he's dead, and then, like, five minutes later, they're like, oh, my gosh, there he is. So yeah. it was no time in between the two. Yeah. But, I mean, in the in the movie, there's never any dissension or real bad dissension between Artemis and Percival. They they're pretty tight from the time they finally connect through the rest of the movie. The the the, the movie's more of Percival trying to save Artemis from being captured because she gets captured by IOI eventually. Yep. So and so, so and so go ahead and go into that part because I got something. The book's different. So That's the in the movie, the movie, yeah, in the movie after they've gotten the second key. Um, IOI starts trying to hunt them down in real life. You know, um, Wade at this time has messed up and giving his uh, given his um, identity away. They know he's Wade Watts. Um, they don't know Artemis or anybody else, but they know Wade Watts, and so they've used him to track him down. And they've tracked him down. They've by this time they've blown the trailer park up already, and um, Wade is now with the quote unquote rebellion that Artemis is leading. Artemis is leading a rebellion in the movie. And so there's also this guy that's been kind of tailing Wade a good bit through, through the trailer park and everything. It turns out it's one of Artemis's workers. Well, they use that guy to track down where the rebels are and they send these drones in and they send these IOI, um, bad guys in to take down the take down the uh, rebellion because they're the ones getting all the keys right now, and so they finally figure out that um, Artemis was part of the rebellion, and um, so Wade and Artemis is starting to try to escape. Well, all of a sudden, which Artemis's name in real life is Samantha. I don't think they ever say her last name, and so um, they go they, they they go in there, they do the whole attack, and Artemis and uh, Wade are in a back room and all of a sudden Artemis opens up the store or Samantha opens up the store and says hey go through here let's go through here this is the way we can escape and he starts to go out Wade starts to go out all of a sudden Samantha's like you'll thank me later closes the door or you'll forgive me later closes the door and then just basically holds off IOI so he can escape so she gets caught right then and there and then the next cool thing happens the next cool thing that happens in the movie is is Wade and H meet in real life. So, and this yeah, is don't where get the, into that yet. Uh, yeah, okay. Don't tell so that's, 
Yeah, that's where his stuff will have him. But so that's that's where the conflict of Wade trying to save Samantha happens because when she gets captured, uh, the IOI people say, "Okay, now you owe so much money for all your crimes, yada yada yada. You're gonna go into this." thing and you've got to work it off basically she now becomes a prisoner and she is now quote unquote a prison sixer so she's been captured she actually is working for them she's in an orange jumpsuit in the oasis setting charges and whatnot and that's that's kind of where she's been basically put in jail so yeah so in the book um the third key. So the way it works in the book, you find the key, and then you got to find the place to use the key. You got to find the key. Then you, there's the key. There's the there's the uh, clue to where to use the key. So that'll open up the next event. Is what and it in is. The, and in the movie, it's it's very different than that because it's basically you get the key, and then all of a sudden the lock is right behind, yeah. um, right behind the guy, right behind the the guy's avatar, and you use the key, and the clue pops out. Yeah. So the yeah. So the what what happens in the book is you get the key and it gives you and you get another clue, and then you look at that clue and that'll tell you where to use the key or that's where you go and you you turn the key and then it opens up the second event or whatever to get the the second key, and then you have to fit the clue to where to go find it, um, and so on. So um, the IOI has found where to use the third key. The third key puzzle in the book and I don't remember exactly is there's something something to do with the band Rush <laughs> you got to do something with oh the Rush band. I can't remember what awesome. it is I think it's something to do with a song or something I can't remember but um, that's just it probably wasn't that significant I guess because I can't remember it but um, they get the key and then the Sixers have found that oh, or IOI same people have found the final the place to use the final key to, to finish the final contest to get the egg and it, it starts to get kind of true to the book here to some degree at, at least the part to where they seize that castle and put that mm-hmm. you know god item or whatever that's a the 99 orb of something yeah, yeah i can't remember the <laughs> the 99 level magic that nobody can bust and it, i love our rock at it. that point yeah he's funny in the movie he's like the comic relief our rock is hilarious in the he's movie. introduced as this real big you know, skull, chest, and all this, and then he's just a goofball. <laughs> well, you know funny. the actor that that voices him, right? Yeah, <laughs> T.J. Miller. Yeah, I don't know his name, but I know he is. He's in Dead, Deadpool. He, and all that. He's in Deadpool. Yeah, he's the he's the comedy guy in Deadpool that's behind the bar in Deadpool. So if you've yeah. seen the movie Deadpool, then you know exactly what we're talking about. T.J. Miller's pretty funny. So, um, so they can't penetrate that uh, shield. Nobody can. And at this point in the movie or in the book, they found. Uh, all have found these special items. I think that was one of the second, the second um, contest, the, the the Mighty Python. At the end of that, you got to pick some big mech, you know, uh, mm-hmm. item that you can turn into, and you, he could say, okay, I know H probably picked that one because of that's whatever, and then you Gundam or whoever is probably picked by Dido or whoever, and um. And then he picks one, you know, based on some Godzilla or something, some some big thing. Uh, and then, uh, and so anyway, he, they all have one of those. So he do, he he tries this elaborate plan, and this is a twist on the book here on the movie. Wade gets caught by IOI on purpose. Pers- Artemis never gets caught. 
Uh, so in the book it's Wade and so they've talked about this is what's so good about the book they've talked about this stuff but you can buy stuff on the black market just like you can off the internet you know these codes or access passes or whatever and you hope they work but he goes in there and buys this access pass for IOI that administrative password is all it is and it's because when you go to IOI you're in that little room not the worker room where you sleep you're working outside and doing all this and then you come back and sleep in this one room that has a, uh, and I don't think you're in the Oasis when you're doing it. I think you're outside the Oasis working for them. I can't remember. But at the end, you go to a uh, room to sleep, and it's a full cameras on you 24-7 while you're sleeping. But you get one little computer that just goes to only a, basically it's a intranet you know, that only inside of uh, IOI that you can access all your handbooks and all of your, you know, stuff like that, how to do your job better crap. And um, and so he he had that had to memorize it, of course, that password. He's like, man, I hope this works or whatever. Of course it works. He gets in there and finds out how to disable the cube <clears throat> um, and escapes somehow based with that. And I can't remember how, but he gives that big broadcast. Everybody's come up, come to, you know, Come join us in this final fight, and the Oasis is something to be free and shared. Come join us, Gunters, all over. I'm Percival, and you know this whole big speech, similar to the movie. And then they all show up, and then he turns, and they all turn into their. They only have one mech, and it's Gundam, and uh, H has that big giant, but that's not how it was in the movie or in the book. He had it. Like, they all had these real big things, and of course, the bad guy Nolan Sorrento had his big one too. But once you get it, so you got anything else to say about that first, and then I'll talk well, about the book. Well, so the way the movie is different is is they try to recreate um, what Wade remembers from the room when he went to talk to Sorrento about becoming uh, oh, that's becoming, cool. becoming a part of that. So they so they recreate the room. H is able to hack into Sorrento's. Uh, Sorrento's got this big, huge chair, by the way. That he gets to game in that that has everything tied into it, so he's in his chair. So he so he's right there in his chair talking to Percival, and Percival, as he's watching, he looks over there to the side and he sees that Sorrento has his password taped to the side of his chair. Yep. Just like any idiot out there that has their passwords taped to the side of their PC or whatever. I know plenty of people that do it. I laugh every time I say it, see it. But it's just because of that, that, that funny thing there that happens. They create it, and they're like, because he, he doesn't remember the password, but they create that room. They were able to hack into his visor. So when he pulled his visor off, he felt like he was in his room, and you had Percival, actually Wade, and Dido's... Um, Real person, I can't remember his name. Both standing there holding guns to uh, to to Sereno's head, basically saying, "You're gonna give us back Samantha or Artemis." Eventually, Sorrento figures out that they're faking it. He's been hacked somehow, and he takes off his mask. That's the end of it. And they were able to get the password though. That was the key. So they got the password and they had it, and so they're able to get it to Artemis. And teach her how to get out of the box she's in. So she's able to pop the top on the box, get out, and that's how she gets out. And she's able to go over there to one of the Sixers chairs. She sneaks over there through the lines of everybody going in and out. Um, 
and she is able to get into a sixer chair. She puts on the puts on the sixer gear and everything, and she gets over to the orb. And in, in, while she was in, um, I'm sorry, I, I missed a part here. She actually snuck into Sorrento's room, got into his chair, and pulled up his visor and found the instructions for the orb. And so, because she had his password, she was able to get into his chair. So she 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 looked there, got the got the instructions on how to do it, and then she had to sneak sneak out because Sorrento and his crew came back in, and so she sneaks out and she gets into a Sixers chair and she goes up to there where the orb is in that castle. She eventually sneaks there. She has to do a lot of hiding and sneaking around, and she sends I forgot what it is, but basically it reminds me of Destiny's Ghost. It was like an orb that she sent over, and she was able to talk to it and communicate through it. And she whispers the passcode to bring the shield down, and that's how they bring the shield down in the movie. And so they brought it down, and of course, Artemis had his big spill going on during this time, getting everybody to come. Uh, Artemis, I'm sorry, Percival has a big spill, getting everybody to come. And H is a big iron giant. You have all of that going on. You don't see the Gundam yet. That that happens a little bit later down the road, but you do see Sorrento take a Mechagodzilla form, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's Mechagodzilla! You know, they all kind of freak out, but it's just so funny to watch the Iron Giant fight Mechagodzilla. That's a, that's a really fun fight, and f- fun to watch that. And eventually, Dado does pull out his Gundam, and he can actually only use it for just a little bit. Yeah. And so, so he uses it for the little bit that he can, and he puts a whooping on Mechagodzilla, but he doesn't kill him. And all of a sudden, you see him as he's bringing the sword through Mechagodzilla. You see him start to shrink up. Mechagodzilla has him in his hand and crushes Dido, and Dido gets zeroed out right then and there. Yep. So I'm going to leave yeah, it at y'all... that part because there's so many pieces going on in there. So I, I kind of I messed up a little bit here. So this is how... So, uh, in the um, movie, there's a copper key, copper gate, jade key, jade gate, crystal key, crystal gate. So you have to do something at each one of those. In the movie, it's just a copper key, jade key, and crystal key. So the copper key is to defeat Acerek, the demi-lynch of Dungeons and Dragons, in a best of three rounds of Joust. The copper gate, where you have to do a movie, complete a War Games flick sync. So instead of Mighty Python, it's War Games for the copper gate. Uh, Jade Key is when a three-dimensional rendering of the text-based adventure game Zork. The Jade Gate is when a 3D rendering of the 1987 platform Black Tiger. Crystal Key return a mythical guitar to its altar in the world of Rush's classic concept album 2112. Oh and the Crystal gosh. Gate is beat Holiday's high score in Templis. Then you complete the Mighty Python Holy Grail, Grail flick sync. So it wasn't that gate. It was the last gate that you do that. Okay. And discover the very first video game Easter egg and adventure, uh, nineteen eighty Tari game. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the differences there. Yeah. And in the movie, that's where they sync up just a little bit. Is is the only challenge they have to do is find the Easter egg in the adventure adventure game in the nineteen eighty Atari yeah. game. But they don't know that. They don't yeah, find that, that out. They don't find that out, and they have basically they have this. Li- it's really funny. They have there's this. TV, old school CRT TV on this little old school if you've ever seen it, it's it's the same thing that you would see in like uh, schools rolling a TV around with an Atari 2600 sitting there 
and Sixers were walking up playing this game. And there's just a huge line of Sixers playing games <laughs> constantly. They were playing every single game trying to figure it out. And every time a Sixer would get so far into the game or so into a certain point, they'd fall through the ice and basically be zeroed out. They'd die. So you just see the Sixers keep on doing this. And, and these, this brain team back in the real world are trying to figure out what game it is. And eventually they figure out, oh, we need to play Adventure. It's the yeah. only game left. And so the guy's playing it, and he gets finally gets past level one. Like the whole time, it's like when they hit le- once they get past level one, the sixer dies. In any other game, it was just that. Well, in adventure, they get past level one, and they like, oh my gosh, he's past level one. He's still playing. So he he's playing this game on Atari while this huge war with all these me- mecha stuff is going on outside. You know, it's kind of funny, and he's just <laughs> yeah, oblivious to it because he's just sitting there down with his face into the screen playing this game. And I kind of like sitting there laughing because I'm like, you know what? There are probably, it's probably going to be us one day. A war is going to be going on outside, and we're going to be playing our game and so far into it that we're not, the war doesn't even matter to us. You know, it's just kind of funny. It made me laugh a little bit. But, you know, they're doing that. The guy actually beats the game and then falls through the ice, and they're like, <laughs> What do we do? What, 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 what? And then we don't get it, you know. Eventually, you know, you see Percival come out after all of the war's been going on. Some crazy stuff has gone on. He got to use the Holy Hand Grenade, which was awesome. I love when he uses that. That was like, I was just so excited that he used that because it's just, I, I just love the Holy Hand Grenade. So he finally gets to use that and just, he, he's going in there and he's like, he actually had to fight, um, Fight, fight both of them, right? Am I not mistaken by saying fight, that? Fight. Uh, I, he had to fight. He had to fight um, Sorrento and Iraq. No, Iraq just died. Remember, because he's like, oh, don't do that. It's a noob move. Noob. No, he didn't. Noob he didn't move. die yet. He didn't die yet. He what? died because what it was was Percival and oh yeah, um, he, I see. And yeah. the dude, dude beat. were fighting before they it. got it before they got to the end. And you know, I didn't think he fought the, Iraq. I thought he fought just no. I don't. I think Iraq was there because no, he was like, "Don't do it." Because yeah, Iraq had lost. Because Iraq has lost an arm at this time. Oh yeah. And so, anyways, you know, it was it was Sorrento and um, Percival fighting. They were fighting. Percival started whooping up on them. You that know? was an awesome fight. Yeah, it was such a great fight. And it's really funny because uh, Sorrento's character in the Oasis looks like a bad guy King Superman. Pan. Yeah, like it's because he's he's got the ha- the 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 old Superman hair curl style thing going on, and the 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 kind of kingpin look. So it's kind of yeah. like a twist between them. It's really funny looking. But Sorrento's like knocked down. He had pulled this device, this device that during the shopping spree, um, I think it was during the shopping spree that uh, Percival had pointed that out that that was a weapon that will destroy everything, including the person that sets it off and basically zeroes everybody in a level. Yeah, basically catalyst. it's a level. Yeah, it's a level obliterator catalyst. So Sorrento shows this, and that's when they start fighting. And um, Iraq is like, "Man, that's not cool, man. Let's not do use that." You know, he wanted to put it away. Well, eventually, uh, Percival's just beaten, beaten uh, Sorrento enough that he goes. You know, he's knocked down, and he sees where he had dropped the catalyst. He reaches over, grabs it, and just boom, blows up the board. He dies. Percival dies. You get to see uh, Iraq running. 
he's running and he, you know he's missing one arm he's running trying to trying to trying not to die he's like I don't want to lose my stuff you know yeah. kind of thing and all of a sudden before he can get to the little bitty warp portal he just and you see all the stuff fall and hit the ground it's really kind of funny <laughs> what's cool about it is is all of a sudden like all this happened and you see in the real world the leaderboard that they had it goes everybody just disappears because it he killed everybody everybody zeroed you know and when they're driving through in the real world people are like on the side of the street kind of sad just like oh it's just it's crazy you know because everybody's lost everything at this point because everybody came to fight them because nobody wanted ioi to get it all of a sudden you see percival still in the area right there with the frozen little water and the Atari game and he reaches in his pocket and he's still got that quarter he pulls the quarter out he flips it over and it says extra life that quarter that he was given back from from i'm gonna call him jeeves i can't remember his name but he's gonna be jeeves now uh was actually extra life so it wasn't just a quarter that he bet him. He actually won an extra life from from the guy. So that was kind of cool. It's like, oh my gosh, that's really cool that the quarter meant more than just you know just that. And so he goes over and he starts explaining. He's like, you know, adventure is a great game, but you got to know the greatest secret of it all is it's the first Easter egg ever. And you also see this other girl in the real world that was on the little team trying to figure it out say, starts saying basically the same thing. And it's just funny that they all come to, this, come to this realization. And he's sitting there playing the game, and he's like, but the Easter egg is the real way to win the game. You don't ever finish the game to get the Easter egg because it's the very first thing you can do. You know, it's at the very beginning of the game. So he does it, and it's just the guy's name in the board or whatever. He's like, you've got to find the little... Um, invisible place on the map and then on the board go back and uh, back to the beginning and you get to see his name the first ever easter egg in a video game and all of a sudden he unlocks the gate everything goes from there and some pretty cool stuff that happens but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we've left behind yeah so from from there that that i want to start covering on that too so we'll go over it real quick um so uh and then we'll talk about the ending but um, in the book, mine is similar. This is, this, but they have to. They can't. Uh, they can't open the gate. IOI. They got the whole thing. They can't open the gate, and that's part of the whole plan that Wade does while he's in IOI, if I remember correctly. That he goes in there and he shuts. He says it's going to shut down. You know, he's going to shut down the shield at a certain time because what he did when he hacked into the system there, um, and that's how they get it shut down in the in the book. But everybody's there. And uh, but IOI still cannot go to the. Th- he's not there playing adventure. They can't even open the third gate in uh, the book. And it turns out the reason is is because you have to have three people to open the gate. You have to have your friends. They all have to have a crystal key. And there's the clue to it. No, it's a whole. The book is really good with the clues and whatnot. And so they open it up. But right at the end, something happens, and I can't remember if it's the catalyst or what. I think it is that they set off, and it kills everybody because IOI can just log back into any brand new guy. They got all the money or whatever, and go back in there and handle it. Uh, still takes time to travel there. Um, I guess you could teleport, but it, once it wipes everything out, I don't know how that happened. But they wiped everything out, and then the extra life he gets from the Pac-Man game that he did, and that's how he comes back and goes through the um, the final thing by himself. And he still has, um, they're in a ch- private chat, so he's, um, 
it's kind of cool. Percival still has H, and even though H has been zeroed out, Artemis is zeroed out, and Show is zeroed out, they can still talk to him, and they see what he sees because it turns in the in the um, I think it is in the movie too, but in the book, it every single Oasis user it zooms into Percival's what he's seeing yeah, while he goes movie too. while he goes through the uh, final thing. But like I said, it was uh, several things. It's beat, uh, it's beat. Um, it's beat Holiday at Tempest, and then you got to play uh, the Holy Grail. <clears throat> and it's funny, even the book, they're kind of giving them, feeding them a couple of lines, and it's just it's just kind of funny how they're kind of hanging. It's like, oh, I'm going to give all y'all a piece of it if we win this or whatever. You know, it's just funny. And um, and then uh, he has to do the adventure to find the, that final Easter egg. And But as he's going along there in the book, IOI, is, they're through the gate too, and they're starting to do it. And, of course, they got people in their ear, so they're trying to catch up with him. They're playing Tempest at the same time, and whoever's going to be the first one to, to, to finish it, you know, gets a little bit of a head start. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty intense in the book, uh, as far as books go. Um, but anyway, uh, so I'm going to reveal the H character because the book was a lot better to the for the reveal. Is that cool? That's fine. Yeah. So at some point, so in, so this kind of ties into the part. Ogden Morrow in the book has a huge, a lot better, bigger role. Um, he, they get they get shut down. They get spotted by IOI in the book. They all know where they live, so they don't know what to do. And then Ogden Morrow pops into the private server that um, he's been in there the whole time listening. It turns out to because he wanted somebody like that to to win. And he tells them, "Y'all come to my house. You can all hook up to the best equipment, and um, and we can." get you guys into Oasis to finish this final key and to start to lead this revolution, basically. There, and there is no re- revolution. Like, what's her name? Samantha says, welcome to the revolution, Wade. There's no such thing in the book. There's no revolution against IOI or anything. It's just a... But um, but anyway, so they go there. Agamora pulls them in there. They get there. <clears throat> but in order to get there, they got to go to his house. And so Samantha, you know, he hadn't met... He has not met Artemis in real life yet. So you know he's about to meet Artemis in real life. It's just a big build-up. You're like, oh my gosh. This is like toward, I think, three-fourths of the book is done. You're like, oh, he's going to meet Artemis finally. You don't know what anybody looks like or anything. And then H is his best friend and all this. And then H, he's like, I can't get there because of whatever. And H says, I can come pick you up in my van. And he goes, okay, cool. So we'll, we'll do that. I'll ride with H. And as they're walking off, H goes, hey, but I'm not who you think I am. You know, And you're like, what? What? This guy's been... The coolest person forever, and so anyway, when they pull up, H is actually a, a African American female uh, that picks him up in the van, and you're like, oh, okay. And then they just at first they're kind of shocked, and then they're like, you know, it's real dramatic in the in the book. He walks in, opens the van up, and goes in there. So H is not a dude, but anyway, they they jump right back into it, get along <coughs> right away, drive to Ogden Morrow's house get out and you know you're like oh my gosh go see artemis go see artemis man you know and he's just like where's artemis oh she's already strapped in doing something else and you're like oh my gosh when am i gonna see her you know and so he has to get strapped they gotta do another little mission or whatever and you finally get it revealed and she has the little birthmark on her face or whatever but um it was pretty cool in the book how that's revealed that's cool so in the movie what i liked about in the movie is is earlier on when um Percival and Artemis are talking in uh in uh, um 
in H's little hangout or whatever. It's his little workstation because in his workstation, you can see the Iron Giant that he's been building and all that. Just really cool. It's a lot of fun. Well, um, Percival, after she gets her bike fixed by H, because he's like the ma- master mechanic. He can fix anything. She gets her bike fixed and then she leaves. H starts ribbing him and says, you know, she could be somebody, you know, she could be a big old fat guy sitting there behind a keyboard, you know, and you're you're falling in love for this big old fat guy named Chuck, you know. And her real name is Chuck, <laughs> yeah. you know, just giving, giving him a hard time. Well, you know, they kind of build that up and you're like, oh my gosh, so what does she look like? Well, you get to see her before you see H in the movie. You know, you see her, she's got the birthmark because of, you know, you meet her at the Rebellion, and uh, Percival's like, I still think you're a pretty girl, and yada yada, which means she, she is a cute girl and all that, so they, they, you know, no big deal there. She has a birthmark. Well, as Samantha is saving Wade from getting captured, and she pushes him through the door, and he goes through that door, you know, as um, people are walking out, this, this, this uh, African-American girl walks up to... Eight, uh, walks, up, walks up to Percival says, come on, and it sounds like you hear some of the similarities in the voice, and he's like, who are you? And she goes, H, Helen. You know, they call, you know, that's what my dad calls me, H, instead of Helen. And then they jump in the van, and they go off, and it's Did like... Did you know the, it was her because of the voice? Right no, away? I, I, I kind of assumed it, because it was like, I heard that little bit of sample there, because it's... Yeah. It, 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 I could tell that the voice from the H character was muffled. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I knew it right away. When, I mean, I've, I've read the book, of course, so I knew who it was. But when I did the first, heard the voice of the H character, I was like, oh, man. It's obvious if you've read, you know, yeah. if you think about it for a minute. Yeah. Well, I hadn't read the book, and when that happened, the whole thing of, you know, there, there's going to be this big fat guy named Chuck, and that's who Artemis is. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 they're going to change the table. It's not going to be Artemis. That's way too obvious yeah. because what I loved about it is the symbolism played in there. So video games, when they first went online, guys played as guys, girls played as girls. That's how you knew you were playing against a guy or a girl. That's just how it was. And if you played as a girl, you were considered a pervert, creeper, whatever. Just, you know, you, you had the stigma of why are you playing as a girl, you know? Because I, I, I remember the first time I met somebody that played a girl and was actually a guy in real life. And I'm like, that's just creepy, man. Why are you doing that? You know, don't be a creeper. You know, that's kind of how, how I felt about it. And that's, you know, I still kind of feel weird about playing a girl character online being a guy. I don't <laughs> think that, I just don't think that's cool. But I'm an old school person, so that's just kind of there. So it's just kind of funny how they played into that because they feed it as Artemis is the person that's playing as a girl and not a girl. When in fact it's H playing as a guy and she's a girl, you know. So that was a really fun little twist. And then in that same instance, you he, he H um, Z is in the van with H or I'm sorry, yeah Z. They call him Z. They call him um, God. I can't even say his name now. Percival. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just call him C for short. Uh, Percival. They he you know he gets in the van and he looks back there and Dido's there. And they're like, oh, that's Dotto. Cool. That makes sense. You know, he's a Japanese guy playing a samurai character. That makes a lot of sense. And then they, and then he turns around and, he, and Sho is in there too. And he's kind of taken aback and Sho goes, yeah, I know. I'm 11 year old. <laughs> and so it's like, 
Because in the game, in the movie, you don't hear Show speak very much, and when he does speak, it doesn't sound like a squeaker. So you know, I would have thought they would have made him at least a squeaker just to kind of be funny. <laughs> but he's you know he's an eleven year old, and it's so funny because Percival goes, "But you're the most." awesome 11 year old ever you're like the best 11 year old gamer ever you know because he's been following him around and in the movie um dado and show are friends and they're kind of acquaintances of h h uh, kind of tells them how to get the first key and then they just kind of tag along for all the others after that so it's it's just funny because that whole reveal to me I thought was a little special because it's the symbolism of yeah, I thought that was guys good. playing as girls and girls playing as guys. So that was really the fun. Squeaker. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so go ahead and let's go into the ending. Uh, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. But uh, well, I know there's a lot we could say about it. Um, there's so many that we can cover. And I really feel like that we might even do another follow-up on one after we watch it again a couple more times because there's just so many things in this movie. So the ending was kind of uh, weird in the the book. In the uh, there's a minor differences. There's one major difference I'll talk about. But just to sum it up in the book, where he goes in or in the in the movie, where he uh, he finally finishes it and then he goes in like a Halliday's uh, a dungeon where it opens up and there's gold or whatever everywhere. And he's like sign this contract, and he's like Halliday would never let me sign a would never require a contract or something. And he's like, Oh, I just wanted to test you. And I think that happens in the book. I'm not sure. But then he goes to Halliday's room, you know, and he's showing that this is me when I was young. I don't think that happened in the book. I think he's just in like an office, uh, that, and no, nobody can watch him in the, um, in the office. And they just telling him, and, uh, Halliday's there and says, here's what you get, blah, 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 which is different in the book. In the book, he gets obviously the, all the Oasis shares, all of the, um, Total control of the Oasis, which means, this is really cool, he gets complete administrative authority over any program, anything, he can go anywhere, he can get himself anything, you know, he's just basically the god of the game now. Uh, they don't really go into that in the, um, but he automatically gets all that access. Um, I don't know if it has that red button that <laughs> shuts it down. I love That's that. I love, I love that. <laughs> I can't remember. Very, Maybe he does in the book, I can't remember. But The very first thing in the movie uh, a holiday shows him is like this is the red button that will shut everything down. <laughs> Don't press it. You know he slips and almost presses it. He's like, your first day and you almost yeah, shut everything down. Not to shut down the oasis on your first day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the way he talks. <laughs> yeah, holiday is very autistic sounding. So like he he talks with a very kind of slow style talk and very methodical. But that was just hilarious. I love that. So the weird thing in that book, in the movie, I mean, I'm going to get, every time I mean to say book, I say movie. Every time I mean to say movie, I say book. But anyway, in the movie, first of all, it's still an avatar. But Holiday is not. He's a normal guy. And he starts to walk out with his little, uh, his little teenage, little kid self playing Atari on the floor. And they start to walk out, and H- and Holiday's opening the door for his little kid self, and then Percival goes, wait, you're not an avatar, are you? And he goes, no. He goes, are you, did you really die? And he goes, yep. And he goes, what are you? And he goes, bye, Percival, or something like that, and leaves. It's so, into, I mean, I don't know if it's meant to be just super open-ended like that or what. Well, I think it is because, because they're going to, I have this fear, and I hope they don't, but they're going to make a second one. And it leaves it open for that, and it turns out there's probably going to be another 
Easter egg hunt for finding Holiday. And you have to actually I find think. Holiday. That's just kind of a just, just just a random thought that just popped in my head when I when that happened because when I watched when I watched the movie and I finished watching it, the first thing I did was text Hollywood and said, "Dude, this is such an intriguing line from the movie. What are you?" Because it just it, it, there's so many things there that it's like, "Are you a real person? Did you suck your conscious into the oasis?" You know, so many different things that you can think of because it's like the Matrix. You know, are you a part of this now? Is this you? You know, is this living world, this virtual reality world, is this you? You know, it's just just was so crazy, and there's so many thoughts. He to mentions come across too there. that you know, live real life because that's you know the only life that's real or something like that. So that would yeah. I didn't know what it meant because he could always just pop in a new movie. Oh, Holiday never really died. I mean, you can come up with a million storylines for that. I don't think that's what it would be for. Well, um, that line I that it was line some that symbolism. You, well, that line that you said was very profound too. Live life. Because yeah. this isn't real, and it, it, it that circled throughout the entire movie. Because Holiday never re- lived real life; he lived life in the games that he played, in the oasis that he created, and he never took the jump. And the, you know, the second challenge in the movie is all about taking the big leap. The big leap was to dance uh, yeah. with Karen, was to to make the first move, to kiss Karen. You know, yeah. and he never took the leap, and Karen ends up marrying Ogden Morrow, and Holiday's biggest regret is never taking the leap, and that that's a big symbolism in life because just a lot of times people are too afraid to take the leap. You know, sometimes the yeah. leap can be as little as little as you know kissing that girl that's in front of you, and she turns out to be your wife, or it could be as little as picking up that penny because you bent down and dodged a bullet. You know, it's just, it's just, it, there's so many things and so many crazy symbolisms, ways that that become a symbolism for anybody. And I just thought that that made, to me, that made the movie so much more real and impactful, not because of all of the awesome nostalgia that's throughout it. I mean, they've got everything in there, literally. I mean, Robocop's even in there. You know, so I mean, just so That's many how you different. That's everything. You got RoboCop. Oh yeah, you got RoboCop, man. It's everything. Well, I mean, Murphy. One crazy thing is, is I know you're not going to know this because if you do, I'm gonna freak out. This is gonna be awesome. But the when he when he dressed up in the movie and he's wearing the Buckaroo Bonsai outfit, you yeah. know, Buckaroo, Buckaroo Bonsai is this terrible, terrible, terrible movie. You know, it, it, but it's pop culture movie that's just, it's terrible. You know, when I first started working at UMC and I moved over to DIS with uh, the buddies that I work with, the first movie they told me to watch was Buckaroo Bonds. I, I hate them to this day for making me watch the movie because <laughs> the movie's terrible. But it, it's it's pop culture. It's major pop culture. It, like, very dark pop culture and very, like, you know, deep pop culture. And it represents just that little piece there. I mean, they've got those little pieces like that, but just that whole symbolism of live your life. You know, the, the life outside of this is more precious than in here. And the fact that once the high fivers took over, one of their first rules was to close it down on what Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think they yeah. said in the movie, like yeah. nobody can nobody can be in the oasis oasis for, on Tuesdays and Thursdays just so they can spend time with the people they love and care about. And I think that's awesome, and I think that's something that we as people right now take for granted. We take for granted our families a lot of the times. We don't 
spend that time with them that we need to. You know, we we look for those reality escapes all the time. And I saw this just through this whole movie is just one big huge symbolism of everything. You know, because gaming has become popular again, majorly popular, and so many people play it. And it, it, it strikes me too because my boss, he's been sending me updates about his son playing Fortnite. His son is starting to get in like top 250 of the world in Fortnite. It's it's amazing. Mm. But he's spending all of his time on that and not spending time with his parents, with his brother, with his grandmother that's aging. And he, he's losing out on things. Yep. You know, and, and that's that's that that's what hit me when I hear all this is like, man, the things that we miss out if we focus on things that are not a part of our real life. So it's just there's a lot of profound things in there too, you know. And I don't want to get too deep in that because we're already creeping up on an well, hour and a half. Yeah, I remember that. Just, I agree with that. I mean, I just wondered what, just what, what's it got to do with him being still alive in the in the um or whatever he was. You don't know what he was. was yeah, he just a real reality programmed guy. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's just that, well, he said he's he not dumped, an avatar, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think he dumped his consciousness in there. That's that's yeah, just my that's feeling. Just, that's so just that kind of real sci-fi then. It's still Spielberg, though. Yeah. So yeah, Spielberg's got to put his touch in it somewhere, so it fits if that that's what happened. So sorry for rambling on that. That was just some. No, that's what I was I asking. There, man. I really that's like great. that. That's that's great. I mean, that is the moral of the movie. It's good to have a. It's good to have a movie with a moral these days. Most of them don't have that. It's um, good to have a movie with feeling. I mean, this movie had feeling. I mean, you 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 got in touch with things in there. You know, it's just like I said, it was an actual movie that kind of pulled you in, although it was in a way a superficial movie because of all the nostalgia and just skimming the top of everything but it had its deeper level into it and i really like that so it, it made it, it made it so much more enjoyable than just going to see a movie like next week i'm going to go see avengers yep it's not going to pull me in like this did yeah it is you know this, this <laughs> i love don't get me wrong i love avengers but I'm not going to walk away saying oh the moral of this movie is yada 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 i'm no, going to be I like know. You know, well, we can all relate to the Ready Player One. This one, the, exactly. You've got you've we got take a three old roller coaster to. ride with Avengers. Uh, you know, which Avengers is be great. I'm excited about it. Oh, I'm super excited about Avengers. But Avengers is a movie that is just kind of like okay, that's an awesome movie, just blockbuster, mind blowing. To me, Ready Player One was just another movie that it was going to be out, maybe be pretty cool. Okay. Still Spielberg did it. So that must be mean. It must have something good about it. And then I watched the movie and I walk out like thinking, wow, there was like a deeper meaning in this movie than just, okay, ready player one. It's based on this book that talks about virtual reality and yada, yada, yada. You know, there was just, there was just so much more. I can imagine it. going into it without knowing what exactly what to expect and then being blown. I mean, I liked it and I, I knew exactly what to expect. But, I had no uh, idea what to expect. I was just thinking, okay, this is gonna yeah, be a game. Gonna be a this awesome. is gonna be a movie, movie about virtual reality. That's all I thought. And then walking yeah. out of it, it's just like, wow, you know. And Hollywood probably can attest to it because I'm sending him texts right there at the end, just going like, oh my gosh, just you know, because I was so blown away by the movie. I really liked it a lot, especially considering that I didn't think I was even gonna care for watching it. So, well, cool. Let us know what you guys think. I mean, seriously. Uh, what do you if you saw the movie? Well, I hope you did. If you've listened to this podcast, because we just pretty much just told you the whole movie. Oh, we blew it all out um, for you. <laughs> which I'm going to put major spoilers in the thing, and I'm going to go ahead and do a you know a voiceover at the beginning of this one, telling everybody it's major spoilers. But um, 
you know, let us know what you think about the ending. What does that mean? You know, what was your take on it? Because I'm, I'm thinking it's just open for interpretation. And um, obviously, you know, we get the, the, the realities what's real and, you know, don't spend too much time in the game and all this. But what is the what is the meaning for him being not being an avatar and uh, being real into this into this world and walking through the final door? I mean, you can come up with whatever. Uh, yeah. But but pretty cool, great movie. I like the book as well. Uh, it's real immersing, and I, I probably will end up getting this movie. I always buy the ones. I hadn't bought a Blu-ray in a while, but uh, probably will end up buying this one. Um, Definitely will buy this one. And, Just, re- and re-experiencing that again. And, wow. And, uh, I can't wait to show this to my son. Because to me, it's just got a lot in there to kind of say, hey, check this out and take this lesson for what it's worth. Don't let something consume you so much that you don't get a chance to see your real life. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. Uh, That'll wrap this one up. Uh, Just don't forget to uh, let us know what you think about that movie. And, oh, before I go, the contest. I I meant to do this at the beginning. Uh, so the contest, the only Genesis game I own, just send me the name of that because I'll send you a free game. And I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, a couple people hit me up and say, I think I know what it is, but I'm going to let somebody else get it. I think I know what it is, but I'm going to let somebody else get it. Guys, this is, we, we gave away a SNES Classic or SNES Mini to somebody that probably will never hear the podcast. So we want to give this back to you guys that have been listening uh, and have been downloading it and listening right away. So this this is what this contest is for, is for you all. So please, if you know it, don't feel bad about uh, letting somebody else get it. Let me know what it is. And if you're right, you know, we'll send you the game. It's fine. That's what it's for. It's for, for the, 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 the loyal listeners. Exactly. And I'm fixing to call somebody out for this one. Okay. So... It, it's somebody that we, we game with or that we did when, in the Destiny days, and he's been wanting to get the game, but he's not able to right now for whatever reasons, and I told him to go listen to the podcast. So, Goonimon, here's your chance right <laughs> here to win this game so you can start playing Monster Hunter World with us. Quit griping and complaining. We're giving you your chance right here. Come listen to us. Oh, yeah, I'm calling you out. I'm flat out calling you out because I don't want to hear you complain about not being able to get the game when we're offering it to you for free if you can just guess this game. All you have to do is listen to, like, three podcasts and you get this game. Oh, you just listen to one. You said I picked the right one. Exactly. If you pick the right one, but you've got to listen to one that's laying out the challenge. Because oh. now I'm a, now I'm gonna call you out and you gotta listen to this one and check us out on uh, Facebook <laughs> and uh, Instagram. Uh, we'll write the descriptions and in, uh, in the message and uh, follow us. We post a lot of funny stuff yeah. on there. We each got our own Instagram and uh, and Twitter, and then we also have the H and K one. And so I'll post those in there, and you'll post them on the page. Every time we drop one, it automatically posts to Facebook, clear, gets on there, and posts it to the top of the page, puts any extra information in there, such as the aforementioned group social media pages. And don't forget, you can look our podcast up on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, you can do it on YouTube. You Podbean, you've got plenty of options, and we're still waiting approval on Spotify. So as soon as we get, it, get approval on that then we'll be on Spotify, but I put it in and it's under review still. So we should be getting it hopefully in the next couple of weeks. You'll be able to get us on Spotify. I mean, we're, we're making it as easy as possible for you to listen to us guys. Just give us a listen. And if you want to search for us, it's pretty easy. I'm, I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. 
Um, search for us on Facebook. All you have to do is type in your search bar in Facebook the letter H, the letter N, the letter K, the letter E, the letter X, then the letter P, and you should be able to find us that easy. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.